Disclaimer. The following podcast contains explicit language and adult content. The content may offend some listeners. Relax and don't be a hater. Hello. Welcome to a walk in the park podcast. (laughs) This is Riss. And this is Babs. And in our podcast, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of wine, cake, laughter, friendship, success, families, fun, the extraordinary. We're happy you're listening. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I love it. Let's just get this walk started, baby. Woo-woo. Guys, how do you talk about life when you haven't even lived at all? And how do you talk about love when the only thing you love is your dog? I don't know. episode, Riss, Babs, and MB talk about the toddler-in-chief and his election day tweet. We also discuss Marielle Trump's book, Too Much is Never Enough. If you don't want a spoiler, I suggest you skip ahead to minute six or seven of the podcast. We also talk about sports, college, and school in the time of COVID, as well as COVID-19 numbers and testing. Please listen and enjoy. Say this is a walk in the park podcast with Babs, Riss, and MB. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Hello. (laughs) So, MB, you know what I want to talk about, but I heard maybe you had a list. Um, Would you like to share that list of topics? Politics, sports, COVID nineteen numbers, entertainment, and school. All right. Perfect. Should we tackle them in that order? Yes. Okay. Then I want to start. Okay. Yes. With my book, The Toddler in Chief, What Donald Trump Teaches Us About the Modern Presidency by Daniel W. Dresner. I picked this up at Barnes & Noble yesterday, almost specifically because what we were referring to earlier where Toddler in Chief tweeted out that he, you know, thinks perhaps the election in November should be delayed. What are your thoughts on that, MB? It would have to take an act of Congress to change the election. It would have to be, yes. So it's like the legislative branch would have to do something. The judicial branch would have to do something. I mean, and they're not going to, so it's all good. And all of us are of the same opinion that that was completely ridiculous of toddler-in-chief to suggest, right? Even some of the, well, not just us, but even some of... Uh, oh, we're the uh, most important. We're the most important, but a lot of uh, Republicans stepped up and said that's ludicrous. There's never not been an election held on election day. Exactly. Regardless of what pandemics and uh, civil world, war, wars, world yeah, wars have gone on. So that's Well, he's just such an idiot. I listened... To, I finished listening to the book by his niece that I think I oh, told you yeah, yeah, all yeah. I was listening to, the Too Much and Never Enough by Mary L. Trump. And I will tell you, the epilogue of that book was just <laughs> scorching. It is basically like, you know what she actually said in the epilogue of this book? I almost want to play it. Um, like, that is how... How I don't even know what. I'm going to pause for a minute and see if I can find it. Okay, here it is. You have to listen super carefully. Triumph, but his ignorance overwhelms his ability 
to turn to his advantage the third national catastrophe to occur on his watch. An effective response would have entailed a call for unity, but Donald requires division. It is the only way he knows how to survive. My grandfather ensured that decades ago when he turned his children against each other. I can only imagine the envy with which Donald watched Derek Chauvin's casual cruelty and monstrous indifference as he murdered George Floyd, hands in his pockets, his insouciant gaze aimed at the camera. I can only imagine that Donald wishes it had been his knee on Floyd's neck. Oh, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> Instead, Donald withdraws to his comfort zone, Twitter, Fox News, casting blame from afar, protected by a figurative or literal bunker. Can you believe that? I mean, she already in the draw of the book has said he's a sociopath, right. but I like nearly fell over when I heard that. That she—that's how depraved she thinks he is. That when he saw the cameras on Derek Chauvin murdering George Floyd, that he wow. wished it had been him. Wow! How horrible, crazy. But I mean, yeah. I don't disbelieve her. Right, right. I right. just can't believe she said it. Right, right. Yeah, that's a pretty. So we need this man out of office. <laughs> three, three months. Less than one hundred days, right? Yes, three months. We're already in August. Three months. Three months until the election. Actually, is it maybe three months from? Tuesday? Because it's the first Tuesday in November, and this coming Tuesday will be the first Tuesday in August. So, maybe. Right. Oh, my goodness. But, yes. So, <laughs> I think we sh can at least take comfort in the fact that there was bi quick bipartisan denunciation of Trump's tweet. Right. Yes. And, but it's just like the level of crazy that he has to bring into everything. You know what it is? Like he's just thinking out loud, and I'm sure that other presidents have thought similar or crazy ideas, but they just don't speak them. <laughs> and also, they perhaps surround themselves with better people. But yes, the oh, other no. presidents, you know, that maybe did some crazy things in history didn't have Twitter at their right. fingertips. Although, as we saw, President Obama had Twitter yeah. at his fingertips, and he did not abuse it. No. I don't think George W. Bush, if Twitter was around, it was like literally as he was heading oh, out yeah, of office, I um, probably. I don't think it was around for much of his presidency. Um, but yes, it's just it's just completely crazy. So, and I bet there are still some Americans that hear this and actually think that toddler in chief could somehow, you know, pen an executive order and say. The election is now, you know, right. delayed a year. Right. You know, like they do in countries with right-wing dictators. Sure. He's gone off the deep end. We cannot have four more years of this. He's we really can't. It's really amazing we have survived to the extent that we have. But, yeah. oh my goodness. Well, what other, do we have any other political roundup things to discuss. We don't need to talk about yes. Biden. We know he hasn't picked his person. What else do we have? But his camping bottoms. Yes. What, what are they doing? What's their latest? 
I haven't heard there's there's still a mediation. Yep. Last uh, last I heard. Yes, that uh, I think they were supposed to meet on Tuesday, but they've been talking over the phone, and everything is just. But I but I did read that Kemp has uh, not officially withdrawn his lawsuit, but he knows he may have to back away because this the numbers are just showing the opposite of what he wants. So if you're not going to wear a mask, the, you know, the numbers are going to go up. Yes. Or so, social, not social distance. So there's, you know, you can't have it both ways. Well, so I thought I had heard that Kemp wasn't going to be pushing his ban on mask mandates but his executive order was set to expire yesterday. And I'm looking here at an AJC article that was updated last night, Friday, July 31st. And it said, Governor Kemp extended Georgia's coronavirus restrictions with an order that also renewed rules explicitly banning cities and counties from adopting mask mandates that are at the center of a legal dispute with the city of Atlanta. Um, it says it maintains a series of safety guidelines for restaurants and other businesses that have been placed in in place for months as Georgia struggles with a rising number of coronavirus cases. It expires on August 15th. So that's interesting. He only extended the order for basically two weeks. Right. So I wonder if maybe perhaps under the lawsuit, you know, he couldn't do anything to change the executive order at this time. Maybe right. he could only choose to extend it. Um, it says here, uh, Mayor Bottoms has said she's prepared to defend her measures in court, and she's drawn the support of several outside groups that have accused Kemp of usurping local rights. And Kemp, meanwhile, contends the mask requirements adopted by Atlanta and a dozen other communities are unenforceable and unwarranted. Well, the unwarranted part is interesting, but all right. So nothing really. We're just still waiting to... Yes. Here. And meanwhile, earlier on Friday, Kemp announced that a makeshift medical facility will open next week at the Georgia World Congress Center to, to reduce the stress on the healthcare network. Oy vey. Biden has shortened his list to three people. Officially? Yes, officially. I'm a little tired of him, but yeah. all right. If he's sorry, I'm not tired of him. I'm tired of this, like, just announce the person already. All right, who are the three? Uh. I don't know. I, the, Biden's because it should still it should still be well three VP picks. Let's see. Susan Rice. It should be Karen Bass. Karen Bass. Susan Rice. Abrams is still in it, but I know those two, and I did see Susan Rice on um on uh on the, the view this week and i thought she was enlightening and good and she has my vote wow i don't see anything that officially says it shrunk to three yet and tammy uh, duckworth yeah toy vey oh my god just for the love um all right well Enough about him. We'll spend more time talking about him again when he actually mans up and picks a VP candidate. Yeah. Hang up, Biden. I'm aggravated with him. I feel like he should have already picked and announced. And I think we're. I think we're. 
I think we're three. I think we're three weeks away from the Democratic National Convention. We are, and I've heard they keep trimming it. It's not going to be as elaborate. Well, they can have you know people come up on stage, talk, or whatever, and that's it. They're just not going to have an audience. Yeah, and since Marissa and I will be at the beach, I guarantee you, I'm not watching it. So if Marissa nope. wants to stay inside and watch it, no. she can, but I will not be. No. So we'll have to be relying on you, MB, to take good notes and, you know, let us know what's happening, yeah. happening there. But, um, all right, what, what comes after politics? Sports. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll let you launch that topic, MB, because I'm also over sports. But what do you want to talk about? Major League Baseball's in trouble. <laughs> Were they ever not? The commissioner said if they don't get a better handle on COVID-19, then they're going to shut down the rest of the season. Shut it down. Shut, shut it, it down. down. <laughs> I don't care about baseball. They need to make way for important sports like football. But the NFL has canceled all preseason games. Wow. Yeah, I, I had seen that. I don't think that's a big deal. Preseason games are kind of annoying anyway. All it is is an opportunity for players to get hurt. But it's going to be interesting to see how many your Patriots have, your Patriots have people opting out. Yes, and some of them are actually important. Some that are not, some that have opted out, I don't even know who they are. <laughs> but the two important ones are Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung. And I mean, it's completely understandable. They both have new babies at home, and it's not, you know, worth the risk of exposure. I was happened to catch uh, Coach Belichick live on Facebook yesterday. He was answering some questions, and he fully supports everyone's personal choice to make the decision that's best for them. And you know, so they're just reevaluating their options and they'll see. But Hightower in particular, I mean, and I mean, Chung has always been annoying over the years. I'll say that. He has flashes of brilliance and then sometimes he's just really incompetent. But it's a huge hit to the Patriots defense to lose those players. So I don't know. This, this could be the year. This could be the chance for like lesser teams in the AFC East to try to, you know, assert themselves. I still don't understand how they're going to have a, uh, a league, though. I mean, that's a close contact sport. I don't think football's going to happen this year. I don't think so either. Interesting. Well, uh, I think it'll start. I don't know if they'll actually have a full season. I bet. I bet. I bet the season will start, but if there's but if their cases start going up, like how they're going in the MLB, they're going to have to shut down. Yes, I... I agree with that. I mean, but I do think they're at least going to start. Um, I mean, again, unless something really major happens. Um, I don't know. So, yes, uh, speaking of tennis, I guess I finally saw maybe Monday is when the U.S. Opens, like, seeding will come out. So then you'll know who at least seriously thinks they're going to play. Um, I shared with you guys that they, you know, released the, what is it, the Western and Southern yes. Open. And so, I mean, Djokovic and Nadal are both queued up for that. It could change, of course. 
And then on the women's side, Barty and Halep aren't coming. Did you guys see that Andy Murray said he thinks, I think it's so funny that he weighs in on the women's side. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, why are you asking Andy Murray? He's like, oh, I think you'll see more people dropping out after Barty says she's not traveling right. to the U.S. And I was like, well, who cares? Why don't you just focus on talking about men's tennis? Right. So. But anywho, have you watched any of the sports games, MB, baseball or basketball? I've been watching baseball here and there. It's not as much fun as real fans being there. Now, are they doing what the NBA is? Because Jonathan was watching basketball games, and he says it's really funny. Like, because of the way they're piping in the sound, you actually can't tell when you're on TV, when you're watching on TV, that there isn't a crowd there. Right. Like, the camera angles are tighter, so they're not showing the empty seats. But he said they have screens up and, like, selected 200 fans are like piped in for the home team, but then they also have like other just like cheering noises. I haven't watched it, but I know that people have been buying or uh, renting uh, hotels. Those cardboard fans. Over yes. by um, the Brave Stadium because you can apparently see the games themselves yeah. from, from the actual room. So yeah. people are actually renting or uh, Going, going to these hotel rooms just so they can watch games. And what's what's the Brave Stadium called again now? Truest, truest field. Okay, or truest field. Okay. Um, you know, okay. So it's interesting about the hotels because I have actually heard people. So to me, I'm like, okay, COVID hotspot. Anyone? Like all the bars and restaurants are open over there, and you can go and watch. Right. And this is my thing. I don't actually. You know, I mean, there are actual restrictions on, as we discussed under the politics category, um, restaurants are not allowed to be open at full capacity still. And so, but just who is checking? Is anybody going over and checking no. if this is actually happening? Yeah. So, you know, Georgia will just end up in the national news again, and it'll be pathetic Braves fans who need to see, you know, their team. And are like hanging out at bars and restaurants. If you want to hang out in your hotel room and watch, right. and it's just you. But also, then if you're bringing like 25 people with you, um, I wonder if the hotels are like kind of policing, like who well, comes in. Probably. I don't know. Somebody checks in. They get their key card. Are they checking like who? When you go into a hotel, some hotels you need a key card to get up in the elevator. Right. But I don't know that you have to over at Truist Park. Or you can just take the stairs. I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, all I care about is football and tennis. So if other things don't happen, oh well. <laughs> the NCAA is doing, is only doing conference only games. You know, that's more interesting to me, actually. I, I have seen that. I saw they were releasing their various schedules. And I saw that the ACC let um, Notre Dame, or Notre Dame, however you want to say the college name. I think they say Notre Dame, even though it's not Notre, not, Notre Dame. Right, Notre Dame. Um, anyway, that they let them into a conference, because that's always been Notre Dame's thing. They think they're, like, above conferences. And it's, you know, they just, because they're a good football team, right. they get other teams to play them as their non-conference games. Right. But now that there aren't any non-conference no, I think, wait, MB, aren't there still some non-conference games happening? None? Nope. Okay. None. 
All right. Um, so yeah, so if you're not in a conference and you've got to like beg one to take you in. Oh, okay. If I were the ACC, other the other teams in the ACC, I might be a little mad that you let in like a, a top-ranked national right. team. Because, I mean, do we think that Notre Dame is now going to win the ACC title this year? I don't know. I don't know either. That was always like the controversy with letting them into bowl games and stuff as well. Because uh, it'd be like, uh, you guys don't even play a conference schedule. You're not in a conference. Then we have to figure it out. Yeah, well, so actually, have you guys heard what, I know the three of us, we don't have a lot of friends heading off to college right now, or necessarily even kids or friends who are heading off to college, but I've heard from more than one parent now who is sending their child off to college that they, um, the schools are actually mailing them COVID tests to their homes to do like, and back. Like, like Baylor... For example, Baylor is sending all of their all of their rising freshmen COVID test. Now, do you know MB? Because is it the saliva test they're sending them? Or I don't know. I wondered. I wondered about that because you know the saliva test, which I've done, that's pretty easy to do, and then package and right. toss in the mail. And there's actual history of that working because as you know people like me we send in our dna to ancestry right. and 23 and me and it's the same concept but then i wondered if they were sending them like the swabs to stick up their nose and then that i don't know how you preserve more, the integrity of right. that because the saliva test you know you, you spit in the tube yes. but then there's actually a stabilizer it's in a little it's yes. in a cap yes and they twist it and so that like stabilizes the saliva for transport and I'm just wondering if you stick something up your nose like how does it work to send that back and is the delay and however it's being sent back compromise the results right I don't know yeah. but yes yeah, so I know Auburn is mailing kits to students and again MB to your point I don't know if it's just rising freshmen or everybody who's coming back and then I was talking to somebody today, and Purdue is mailing tests to students. Her son got his. Um, but her point was interesting because she said, okay, so he's going to, you know, take this test. And she hadn't looked at it, so she didn't know what type of test it was. And send it back. But he doesn't leave for school for, like, two weeks. They haven't told him to quarantine. So it's like, what if he catches it in the next? Two weeks and I said yeah you know I know they can't enforce quarantining but I think it's stupid that they're not saying it like I happen to know Boston University for students coming back on campus they have to come and quarantine okay so Jonathan is friends with a guy whose daughter is starting at Boston University and they're flying up to quarantine in Massachusetts for two weeks before she's allowed on campus I have a question. Yes. How are they doing the dorms with social distancing in mind? Um, I think all I've heard is they're having more singles and maybe double setups. Like you're not living with more than one other person and that some schools have set aside COVID dorms. So like if you're test, if you test positive, you get put over in a different dorm, but I don't know, maybe they're not letting people back at capacity. Um, I feel like, gosh, I can't remember what school it was, but I feel like somebody told me 
there was a school that basically was only allowing like first semester, like freshmen and seniors could live in the dorms and then they were going to flip flop at second semester. And they're telling students, do not bring a lot of stuff with you. Don't bring extra furniture. Don't bring tons of stuff because, you know, so yeah, so it'll be interesting. I don't know. I bet every school's doing it a little different. And then I bet some schools maybe aren't even opening their dorms. And are like, you can come to campus, but you have to figure out your own off campus. And then maybe just like international students or something will get to live on campus. But well, today, August 1st, the Common App became available and Naomi very begrudgingly set up her Common App account and bemoaned the fact that she couldn't believe she had to apply to college and go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's always nice to have such a motivated, you know, student in your house. Well, for our listeners, what is the Common App? Well, so basically, I think almost the the vast majority, I don't have a percentage, but I would bet maybe 90% of colleges and universities in this country have agreed, like you can go online and you can fill out one application and that will get sent to everybody. And then each school has a little bit more. So you don't have to keep filling out applications. Like when I applied to college, First of all, I had to write it on paper and mail it in, and I had to do a separate application for each college. So this is just like streamlining it. Like, yeah, Naomi wants to go to Boston University. They do the Common App, so she was, you know, the stuff that's on the Common App is just like all your background stuff, basically. I will tell you, it is very invasive. They want to know about me. Why about you? I'm her parent. I'm parent number one, and it's like they want my name. They didn't ask for my date of birth, but they do want to know all the degrees I have and where I went to school. It has the little red asterisk next to it, as in required. What if you didn't have any? <laughs> Parents or degrees? There's a category for that. Oh, None. Okay. None. Yeah, I mean, what is that? Um, I don't. Why? I seriously think it's one way they're evaluating you. Oh my funny. god. So. Ugh. Anyway. What if you put that in your name as Donald Trump? Yeah, that's what I should have done. <laughs> I don't think so. Naomi's applying to, you know, like liberal elite right, institutions. Right, 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 right. They don't want I, I, I early voted. Oh, nice. Wait, you were able to? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought we said we weren't sure since you didn't. You I, went to go, I went to go early vote with my mom. Aw. Wait, so did you just go with her or did you actually get to vote? I actually got to vote. That's awesome. Congratulations. I voted, awesome. I vo- I voted the DA out. <laughs> Paul Howard. Yeah, yeah. I, I, have, I missed early voting, so I'm going to have to go on elect- or runoff day on August 11th when I'm back in town. Um, but yeah, I think I had voted for, in the primary, I had voted for Fannie Willis as well. So, I don't know. Sometimes I think, you know... It's time for a change, and Paul Howard, he does have some things that are, you know, coming out about him that maybe would be cause for concern. But I also like to support women, so I'm almost always inclined to vote for the woman unless she's like a Sarah Palin type. Right, right, (laughs) right. Or a Karen Handel type. I would never vote for Karen Handel. I think she's a complete horrible moronic human being but i know people who have voted for her. anywho all right. all right sorry we we swayed back into politics but that was very important news to share yeah. 
what else do we have to uh what's our next COVID topic COVID-19 oh you know I have the numbers buddy because I track yeah. them every day but do you have anything you want to share on that topic we, first our total cases are 100 and 190,000 here in yeah. Georgia yeah yeah which I mean that's about what is that that's about two percent of our population maybe because uh, 10 million so a hundred thousand would be one percent yeah so it's about two percent I think we're somewhere between maybe we're like ten and a half million and doesn't California lead all of everybody like yes top with a with five hundred and one thousand yeah. and nine hundred and nine cases. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I mean And it makes, Florida's in second with nine thousand six hundred and forty two. Wait, no, that must no, be no, no, no. that's gotta be more than that. That must have been their new cases. What's their total cases? Four hundred and eighty thousand. Okay. But I mean think about it, it makes sense, right? Because those are our two most populous states, aren't they? Or no, maybe Texas is we we wait, we looked this up before. We know California is the largest state. Who is the second largest? Is it Texas? It's Texas or Florida. All right, why don't you figure that out and I'm gonna share some numbers that I have because I track so nationwide as of yesterday. Uh, we had a total of 4,700,889 cases. The positivity rate, which is what is most important to me, is 8.03%. And the death rate is 3.33%. That's as of yesterday as a country in which we had 70,904 new cases yesterday. In I Georgia. Couldn't find, I couldn't find what the largest states are. Well, we know, we know California, California, Florida, and Texas. Okay. So it's not surprising then that California and Florida are ending up with the highest total cases because they have the most people. Right, right. So again, it's all about the positivity rate. So here, actually, let's do this. So Georgia's positivity rate yesterday, and it fluctuates and, you know, data trails and all that. But yesterday, out of the total number of positive cases and the total number of tests, our positivity rate was 9.82%. So, but if you look at California, all right, here, can you whip out your calculator, Riss? Okay. All right. Um, if you look at California, sorry, I've got to pull up the world infometer corona. All right, so this is what we're doing in California. And we'll use yesterday's numbers well, no, I guess we can use today's. All right, hang on. All right, so you need to put in 501,909. So 501,909 divided by 7886587. And what's the percentage? 106. 6.3%. So as a state, California is doing better than Georgia, even though they have like four times as many, you know, three times as many cases as we do, of the people testing, only 6.03% or 6.3% are positive, whereas in Georgia, 9.8. So that's why you have to look, you can't compare, when things aren't equivalent, you can't just compare them. You have to look at 
you know, the means by which you compare them. So we're doing better. Okay. We're doing worse. Sorry, California is doing better than us. All right. Right, yes. Right. If you look at it from a percentage point yes. and the size of the state, then yes. 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 So, well, and that's why if you just do it based on the positivity rate, then you don't have to care how many people are in a state. You just, it's just simply total cases divided by total tests. That's your positivity rate. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's what, you, that's what you should care about, people. Be positive. Positive. Yes. Care about it. Yeah. Not positive COVID. Yeah, there's a lot more we could say about COVID, but um, it's very hard to um, say anything good. <laughs> All right, what's our next topic, MB? School. Oh. All right. Well, we did cover that. We, uh, we talked off the record. Off the record, uh, we have been receiving our bell schedules. Well, that's cool. on the record now. That's on the record now. Yes. All right, so for our listeners who care, MB and Marissa are in the public school system. I, Babs, am in the private school system. And I'm just not going to talk about my situation because it gives me a headache. Okay. But all of you talk about the more relevant to the general population public school situation. Well, we have our seven classes a day, and we have 10 minutes between classes and 45-minute classes online uh, with uh, your teacher which will be done via uh, Teams, which is... Um, they are using Microsoft Teams. Yes. Okay, good for them, because they didn't get this together in the spring, but now they have it together. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, now we just have to worry about schedules coming out and uh, that type of thing. Right. So, MB, do you know what you're taking this year? No, our schedules come out this upcoming, not this upcoming week. Okay. Okay, cool. That's good to know because I got to rewrite mine or August, I should say. Yes. Um, now, MB, you have a sister who's an elementary school teacher. Has she shared any school thoughts with you? She, she's nervous. But she's... She's going to teach. She's going to They're allowing teachers to teach from their classrooms. Right. Okay. And I think she's switching grades this year, right? So that's part of what she's nervous about is she's teaching a new grade. And she, because I think, wasn't she teaching second and now she's teaching first, maybe? Yes. Okay. It's her, it's her fifth year teaching. Okay. Wow. So that's a little hard, I think, like trying to teach a new grade and not. Under the COVID umbrella. Yes. Well, and also I think it's harder like, I wish there had been a way for them to figure out at least how to get maybe some of the younger kids, like K through two, into schools. Because even if it was a hybrid, like part-time, just because I think it's going to be really hard for kids that little to learn online. Yeah. Um, so I feel for, I have some parent, I have some friends with, whose kids are in that you know, age group, and so I do, I do feel for them that it's going to be challenging. Um, so, okay, well, so that's, yeah, that's the public school, they're getting their act together, they're taking an extra week, they're not starting until August 17th now, um, and you guys are just rolling with it, basically. Basically. 
Now, have they, has, have the public schools been clear at all? Are they going to be constantly monitoring the data? And is there a chance you can get back in the classrooms? Or are they just yes. like, first semester? Yes. Okay. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a plan. There's a plan for, there's a, there's a phased-in plan for face-to-face. Okay. Yes. So, and they're relying on numbers, right? Correct. So, kind of like if we hit these numbers, we'll go to phase one. Correct. Then we'll go to phase two. Okay. That's better than I'm getting from my private school currently. So bizarre. I know I said I wasn't going to talk about them, but I'll just say this one thing. <laughs> when I asked it's, them what the numbers were that would, you know, prompt them to start reopening the school to in-person instruction, they seemed befuddled. That I would ask such a question, and how could they possibly know what those numbers would be? I was like, well, there's the Fulton County epidemiology report that you can be looking at. Like, does it have to be like, you know, 100 and 100,000 cases or fewer? And they just say it was very discouraging. So, props to the public school for at least putting out some type of, you know, Cobb County parents are protesting. Because yes, they didn't I get a heard. choice. Because they mm-hmm. didn't get a choice of in-person, in-person learning. Yes, I've I've heard. You know, so as most people listening probably know, I'm not sure if this is if George is more in the minority on this, but a number of public school systems were offering choice: you can send your kid in person or virtual. Right. And then basically this month of July, well, last month, since today's technically August, um, they've, at least all the larger school districts have basically been reneging on that offer. They've taken it away. Oh, serenity now. Serenity now. We need it now more than ever. Yes. Well, I think we've done done a good wrap up here. Yeah. I'm going to say bye for now. Bye for now. Bye so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or Google Play to rate, review, and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. You can also follow us on our social media accounts. On Twitter, that's at Awit Podcast. On Facebook, you can find our A Walk in the Park Facebook page by searching at Awit Podcast. And on Instagram, you can find us at A Walk in the Park Podcast. We'd love to hear from you.